0: what you want when you want it where you want it this is the mesh hey this is moose from street circle drive that's the hickory north carolina centric podcast here on the mesh be sure to check out our show
1: and all the others at themesh.tv foot candle films film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies
0: this episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the society's website at www.footcandle.org.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh TV. This is our ongoing film discussion, review, and. Uh, discussion about film news show here on the mesh tv network. My name is Alan Jackson. I am a co-founder and co-director, respectively, of the Foot Candle Film Society and the Foot Candle Film Festival. Who is the other co you may be asking in that co-title? Well, it's the gentleman right across the table from me. Hello. Chris Fryer, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing well. Looking forward to talking to movies.
1: As always, we we love getting together. We have normally a couple of reviews of films, followed by some news items and recommendations at the end of the episode. So we've got a lot to cover. Today we'll be reviewing two films in particular. The first one up is going to be Olympic Dreams, which is a film starring Nick Kroll, taking place during the 2018 Winter Olympics. Then following that will be a review of the film... V-H-E-S, and just so it's clear, it's V-H-Y-E-S, V-H-E-S, uh, by a, uh, i tell you what, I'm just going to wait to discuss that film when we get to the review, because I'm not even sure I can sum it up in a one sentence here. I will let you have the honor of doing that when we get to that review. Sure. Uh, then we'll be following that up with some news items. We have a This Could Be Good segment, where we discover a film that is in production or possibly nearing release that we have just been made aware of that sounds like it could be good based on certain factors. And then we'll talk a little bit about some of the impact. As we record this show, we are in the midst of uh, the coronavirus outbreak and uh, all the proper precautions that's being taken across the country, how it's impacting the film schedule. A lot of films are being delayed, moved, changed. We're just going to kind of hit some highlights on that during our news section. Then we'll end up the show with our recommendation Each of us sharing a film that we think is worth checking out, especially if people are going to be a little more separated from others for the next uh, little bit of time trying to find some ways to entertain themselves at home. We may have some films that you uh, could check out that may uh, pass some time for you. So, Chris, full slate of things. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. All right. We're going into our first review then, which is the film Olympic Dreams. Hey, Coach. Hey,
2: Coach just calling to say um i'm freaking out a little
1: bit i've prepared for this have a life when it's done i hope i really feel like an olympian do you know where the medical center is i'm a volunteer Uh... dentist all right i'll just keep wandering So Chris, in Olympic Dreams, we have a film that has an interesting premise behind it. It actually is shot and takes place completely or almost completely in the Olympic athlete village during the 2018 Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang. In this story that we follow, we follow a young cross-country skier as she bonds with a volunteer doctor after the competition ends for her. So we have a film that It's taking place in a very unique setting. Uh, I think this is the first film ever shot and produced in the actual Olympic Village, where all the Olympians live and hang out before and after their own competition uh, takes place. The film stars Nick Kroll, who is known as more of a comedy actor for television and other shows, but has slowly been getting into some more dramatic uh, film work. And then also Alexa Pappas, who is an actual Olympian. She is a runner, but in this film she plays a character, Penelope, the cross-country skier I mentioned earlier. She, Nick Kroll, and her husband wrote the film while her husband was also the director of it as well. So, Chris, when we have a film like this, that's a very interesting concept and a very interesting location. My question to you in reviewing this film Was this a film that was completely carried by that unique premise and location? Or was there more to it beyond just the cool fact that it's being shot in the Olympics? Was there more to recommend this as a film? Or is it uh, better served as maybe a travelogue documentary?
2: Well, I mean, I think the location does make the film. Um, You know, it is, at least for me, I've always been interested in the Olympics. Um, Much like the dentist in the film, he's always been a big fan of the Olympics. Um, so have I, um, i watch watched them every year, um, or every year they're on because <laughs> they stagger them. But yeah, so that was neat getting to see kind of a behind the scenes look at the Olympics. Um, but of course, because this is structured as a narrative film with the description you provided about, you know, a skier meeting up with a doctor and kind of like a little bit of a relationship they have going during the time they spend together. Um, that part didn't quite work as well. Mm -hmm. For me. Um, But I would still say the movie was worthwhile for me watching because I did enjoy the behind the scenes aspects of the film. Um, If I were to guess, I would say that maybe um, the weak part was the fact that probably the scenes were improvised as opposed to like a, you know, letter by letter, line by line script. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people are probably familiar with Nick Kroll. Um, He's a comedian. So him being able to improv, Probably, you know, I think we could say that, you know, yeah, he could do that, you know, no problem. Um, his co-star in the film, who is an actual uh, Olympic athlete in real life, she was a runner, long-distance mm-hmm. runner, instead of actually being a skier, um, would be Alexi Pappas, who wrote it and, you know, co-director, or her husband was the director. Um, she, I don't think her strength is probably lies in improv. Mm -hmm. Um, some of the more scripted out things in the film or at least what I thought might have been scripted out I think she was able to deliver better Mm -hmm. and having seen her in a previous film Track Town that was about an athlete that has similar themes to this movie that one I think was purely scripted and that one seemed to go a lot better Mm -hmm. Um, so you know improv maybe not the strong suit uh, of this film and since this film I think a lot of the scenes were improv I think that kind of hurt it a little bit, but, Mm -hmm. um, what were your, what were some of your thoughts on
1: it? Right. So I I will give the film credit for the concept. I do think, you know, filming in the Olympic village, I'd I'd say 90% of the footage was shot inside the actual Olympic village or where the Olympics are taking place. So, um, during the 2018 Olympics with real Olympians too, I'd, you know, everybody else on the cast, I think with the exception of Nick Kroll, is an Olympian. I mean, right. when we see them talking to Olympians, that is that is why it so is there's true an Olympians of
2: authenticity because you can tell like yeah this is, this yeah. is the real deal. That's right. happening. It's
1: so great. I like the concept, sure. and I can tell that the film was shot on a very thin crew, thin budget. I mean, it's it was very had a very documentary feel to it in the way a lot of the scenes were shot and framed, and I liked all that. And I also will say I think Nick Kroll was game for this film. I think he was kind of all in on wanting to play the part he had and seemed to be generally, he was a producer, seemed to be generally pretty interested and played the part pretty well. I I think when the film wants to be more of that behind-the-scenes travelogue and more of the let's explore the Olympics side of that, it really works. The problem is that's not the film it is half the time. The other half the time it does try to be that more improvisational drama, romantic film. And that's where I feel it just kind of grinds to a halt and doesn't work. So it's tough. It's tough because I don't want to fault the film. I think it's noble in, in its intentions and I think it's at least slightly enjoyable to watch. But yeah, those dramatic scenes where we're supposed to have a real heart to heart, really meaningful conversation between the two lead characters I do hate to say it. I think it is Alexa Pappas. I just don't think she can carry that. Those moments where Nick Kroll, I think, can can work on his feet and can kind of play with the scene, where she just seemed a little uncomfortable in that area. So it made it hard to see the the two people as real, real people having a connection
2: and like chemistry between.
1: them. Yeah, the chemistry was tough. It really was, and I do think the film had a hard time deciding: are we, are we, are we? Are we a drama? Are we a romance? Are, where do we want to go with this film? I don't really feel like there was really ever a clear vision of what the film was meant to be. Which and I
2: think with Nick Kroll, they would just kind of veer more into the just comedy romance. You
1: know, yeah, be romance. a light light romance yeah. with some comedy involved, actually, and there were moments of that. Or but then maybe just
2: do comedy drama and skip the romance, which might have worked better. And too. I
1: think that could have been too. But I think they were just it. It kind of felt like they were making it up as they go. Yeah. Which again. No some films work that way. some films sure. if you 've got actors who are really game for that and you've got a really great you know kind of team to work with sometimes the the movies do just kind of write themselves as you go along. This one I felt it was more they were forcing pieces into different scenes just sure. to make a fairly thin story work and uh and I also feel like you know they they even that opening monologue we heard in the trailer, just her talking on the phone and talking about how you know, this is the Olympics and it's kind of her dream and she wants to be the kind of person she wants to be, all this stuff. I felt the themes were just really broad and generic and just didn't really – weren't really interesting. So uh, I wish I could say more positive about the film. I did have yeah. some issues with it. But I will say at least I credit the filmmakers for making an interesting film in the environment that they did.
2: So. Well, there was enough in it for me that um, – and it was – yeah, you know, there were some comedy moments that were funny, and I, you know, attribute those Nick Kroll. But then also, they were, as you mentioned, there were kind of snippets behind the scenes with athletes, and those were my favorite parts. Those, um, there could have been more of them, but there were enough of them that I found it entertaining. Yeah. There was a conversation with a Jamaican uh, bobsledder mm-hmm. guy, and like how you do things, and like that was actually Alexi Pop kind of asking questions, but. Just the way that was handled, I found that interesting. There's an uh, apparently maybe the youngest Olympian at one point is in the mm-hmm. dentist chair with Nick Kroll, and their exchange was cool. An Italian athlete refusing to speak English uh, to kind of get a rise out of Nick Kroll, and then he finds out he can speak English. <laughs> there again, I found that funny. And somebody who I was aware of from the Olympics in 2018, uh, Gus Kenworthy. I remember mm-hmm. he's like a skier, and he's – you know, does snowboarding type stuff too. He's very, has like a really big personality. I remember Mm -hmm. seeing, you know, how the Olympics does those kind of vignettes of the different athletes and they kind of tell their story. I remember seeing one on him Mm -hmm. and I was like, yeah, that guy's, you know, got ridiculous amount of charisma. He shows up in this movie as one of the featured Olympians and he couldn't have been, more natural oh, to yeah. me. He was great. And apparently, I guess he's been on American horror story. I come to find out. So oh. he's a little bit of an actor or is going to be, I think in one of the okay. seasons, I don't watch the shows. So I'm not familiar with it, but I can see how, yeah, when he gets feeling like he's too old, to do <laughs> snowboarding or whatever, yeah. he's, he's going to be fine because, <laughs> He's got a career. In, no, he in, in was acting. great.
1: I actually, I mean, he was only he only appears in the film about halfway through, and he's only in there for like two or three scenes. But he's, right. he's but really he's, good. He's, good. Uh, he's enjoyable in there. Yeah, that's the thing is that I think there were so many really interesting, great moments of the film that you kind of just wished they had made a film that was more all in on the Nick Kroll interviewing, talking to Olympians, yeah. and even Alexa Pappas walking through some of the events at the Olympics that those parts were great him walking um,
2: around with her yeah a grand yeah. here we are like making a movie that doesn't exist true but I mean we like the concept of this but him just walking around as a comedian riffing with people and Alexi Pappas could just be his like guide she knows she the athletes sort of she like, knows like, hey, the event, yeah. and he'd be like okay but like, yeah just the two of them kind of doing a behind-the-scenes documentary yeah. would have been Hilarious. I mean, there was and a scene, I'm-
1: there was a whole montage in this film that I thought was probably my favorite part of the film where she says, Hey, do you want to go walk around? It was kind of an awkward dialogue leading up to it. It's this whole, do you want to go walk around backstage and see all the Olympic events, which is kind of a weird thing to propose. Right. But anyway, and he's like, sure. That moment where they actually start walking around together and they're really like examining the different events and talking about yeah. the athletes and what they're going through. That part was awesome. It's yeah. like if I had an hour and 20 minutes of that, I would love it. And then mix it in with some humor from from Nick Kroll. Yeah. Um, they're kind of commenting on the relationships of some of the ice skaters, yeah. the the pairing of the skaters, yeah. you know, great stuff. And it was, that was good. So it's a shame that they felt the need to kind of keep re- weaving in and out of this uh, light romance that, and then adding in these overly dramatic elements of both Nick Kroll's home life and her uh, kind of where she is in her life at 22 years old, all upset and she didn't know what she's going to do. It was kind of tough, and it was a little it's a little ridiculous too It's right. like you're an olympic trained person you're twenty two years old, and you're feeling like everything you' you feel like you don't know what you're gonna do i It was a little tough it i i felt it was a little over dramatic for dramatic sake to make the story work and Again, those are the moments that just kind of fell flat for me. So with it. I see that. So I think it's an enjoyable watch. If what we've described, the premise of it sounds interesting, then yeah, it is an interesting film. And I think it's a passable enjoyment, you know, to watch. It's sure. just uh don't go in expecting anything too deep. Don't go in expecting anything too great on on story. But I think the spectacle and what you see and what they show is is, is pretty interesting. If you don't
2: like the Olympics, probably pass on this. Yeah,
1: it's a good move there, if too. If you don't like Nick
2: Kroll, probably pass on this. But if you like both, I would say, yeah, give it a watch.
1: All right, so we're... Kind of, uh, I'm a little, I'm a little iffy on it. Chris seems to be a little more positive. I think I may have reduced, uh, brought down your expectations, Chris. But I saw the film a night before you did, True. and I might have brought your expectations down, which is a smart thing to do. I'm going to give Always that as a little tip to all the listeners. <laughs> if you're ever too excited for a film, do whatever you can to lower those expectations before you go in, and you will come out with a much more enjoyable experience. I promise you. All right, so Chris, talking about experiences why don't we move into our second review which is the film vh yes
2: hi there my name my name is ralph and i just got this camera
1: to kind of balance the the muzzle of the gun while they shot skeet
0: Beginning of the fall of mankind.
1: Ah, 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 Blast it off! We have to have lesbian sex and orgasm multiple
2: times. Okay, so. (laughs) uh, So, with that. So, with that, (laughs) that would be the trailer from Mm -hmm. uh, VHES, as Alan uh, was talking about before they gave the title. So, this comedy is a bizarre kind of retro comedy. It, if you are led to believe that it is true, was actually shot entirely on VHS and Betacam. cam. Um, so those are the old formats that, you know, young people listening to this may have no idea what this taught, but probably so because it's in enough of like retro pop culture, stranger things exists and they talk about these things. So because of that, you may have some reference point. Um, and the loosely based idea of the film is this kid's got a video camera. They got it for Christmas He tapes over his parents' wedding with things that he records off TV, late night TV, or things that he's running around with this camera and his friend and shooting kind of on the fly. And that pretty much is what this film is. Uh, It comes in at a breezy 72 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, It is kind of a compilation comedy because the things that end up coming off the of late night TV end up kind of being skits or vignettes. Mm-hmm. So you kind of cram a bunch of those things together. And that's what this movie is. Um I watched this movie from the comfort of my own home. Alan, you were playing a bit of catch up today here in the office. <laughs> you were right next to me uh, kind of watching it so we could record. I did happen to hear a couple of chuckles, mm-hmm. um, but I was working with my headphones on. So I did not hear your entire enjoying that level of the film, but I know that it at least elicited one or two chuckles from you. My question is, was it worth watching the film? Would you recommend it? Or did you literally just have one or two chuckles? So you would not recommend it.
1: Um, I think I did a really good job of suppressing my laughter from the room next door. Chris, uh, if you had taken off your headphones and actually been listening natively, you might've heard, you probably would've heard a lot more. i found this hilarious <laughs> i had such a, a good time good. with this movie it is wow okay a little background i love sketch comedy kentucky fried movie do you remember that yes. film from the 80s I have oh, john actually landis heard it. it's yeah. one of
2: my college friend's favorite movies yeah. i've never actually seen it yeah. i think i've seen pieces of it sure but i've never actually seen it all the way
1: through. just you know bizarre random stitched together sketch where there's a general through line trying to connect them, but they're really loose connections. It's just a great example reason to bring a lot of funny skits together. I love that style of movie. I, I just do. So this is this was right up my alley. Okay. They made <laughs> I this movie for you. laughed so much of this movie. <laughs> um, it's a near perfect use of the VHS format. This is from someone who... I mean, I grew up shooting VHS tapes on a camcorder. You made a
2: Teddy Ruxpin horror movie.
1: I did. I've come, come, all VHS shooting. Right. I've edited VHS tapes. I was the one recording stuff off my family TV onto a VHS camcorder. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was me, and um, and I, I love the 80s. I love this time period and just seeing how how well recreated I feel like the time period is. Right. Um there are some segments that you know maybe a little more glossy than what I would have thought from the but it it's minor quibbles I've got I mean almost exclusively every single sequence you visit you know a parallel to something maybe you saw as a kid or in that time period, at least for me. Sure. I really had a good time with this movie. I'm actually kind of itching to see it again. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I actually, you know, I think I rented it on iTunes. It's got a 48-hour window. I think I will be using it again in that 48-hour window. So I loved it. I had a lot of fun. I do have a couple cons. I'll get to in a little bit. Some things that didn't work, and I've got more specifics, but... I really want to hear your thoughts, Chris. What about you?
2: um, The concept, you know, is laid out there by the title and in the description that I say, it's it's pretty clear, like, this is what it is. Yeah. Um, It worked for me. Um, It remains loyal to the premise, and I applauded that. Um, Specifically, you know, it made me nostalgic for my childhood and... You know early days of like even my career trying to run around and shoot things with a VHS camera kind of the crappy quality or like mm. yeah you know, they would have dropout lines Oh, it's like real technical stuff but you're like yeah this is legit plus kind of a cool part was seeing the discovery of what it was like as a kid to discover a camera and you shoot stuff that has no point yeah so a lot of times there's like he'll just shoot like his mom in the kitchen or he'll shoot like leaves in the sun mm-hmm. for the and it has no point. And I'm not talking about like a quick five seconds, No, there's kind of some meandering stuff that doesn't really go anywhere and they could totally cut it out of the movie. And some people would say, Oh, it would make it funnier. And it probably maybe would, but there's yeah. something about the factor of just kind of letting it be loose and making it, giving it seeing like it was actually as if it was recorded over a wedding. So like yeah. random thing, it just kind of, I don't know. Gives it a little bit of authenticity that I, was kind of impressive for them to kind of stick to that.
1: Well, and, and without spoiling it, I mean, I think you may find yourself questioning why is it that some of half the stuff you're watching is very realistic, like VHS shooting a kid shooting it. Right. Oh, here's his mom, and now he's just shooting he and his buddy talking about stuff and right. having fun, and then it cuts to these late night TV bits, which all start out. Pretty normal. I mean, yeah. you, they're like, yeah, I've seen late night shows like this. One is like a, a music interview show and one is like a, 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 a home shopping network type of thing.
2: One's like a painting with Bob Ross right. type Yeah, thing.
1: all shows that you've seen examples of, they all start to get more and more bizarre as time goes on. And you yeah. start to wonder why the mixture of this real footage that somebody would be shooting with their camcorder with – this more bizarre outlandish skits the way they're going by the end they do try to tie it together and make it mean something i'll admit the ending i think is a little on the weaker side i don't think they quite accomplished the the goal of what they were trying to do but i think they yeah. like
2: i appreciate what it when i yeah. saw kind of where they was like oh wow okay yeah. and then something about like but then they kind of closed it back to being too nice. And if they would have it's, let it just go kind of completely out there, that would have been a Well, there's just
1: a through line again, not to spoil, but his parents, the fact that it's recording over a wedding tape, mm-hmm. there's something about that. There's a reason why it's a wedding tape that he's accidentally recording over. Right. And again, I loved where they were trying to go with it, and I was excited for it to kind of come to a conclusion and by the end, it's like, oh, okay. Well they I think I feel like it kind of wimped out at the end, but yeah. or or didn't really give a great satisfying conclusion. That being said, though, I still think a lot of the skits and performances were really, really good. And many of them were really funny, some very disturbing, some very uh yeah, some great. I think the actors that I mean, there's a lot of unknown actors in here. People I've never seen before, but Thomas Lennon, Thomas he's Lennon, like God, he's so good. He is. <laughs> well, and Carrie Kinney, also someone yeah. who normally works with Thomas Lennon, uh, from the state, the, the state. days of the state on MTV, she plays the Bob Ross kind of stand yeah. in character and she becomes progressively more interesting as the film goes on. Yes. And then even, uh, the director of the film is the son of Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins. Both who make cameos in the film. Tim Robbins had a little bit more to do. Susan Sarandon really just pops in for like one quick shot. Right. Um, they seem to be having a good time. They did. I'll and leave it at it, that.
2: Actually, they did. And it was a little jarring for me yeah. because of the nature of both of them being in there. I was like, wait, why are they? But it was actually kind of distracting. Yeah. I was like when I found out, saw the directors, and I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah. That's their kid. Susan
1: Sarandon's, I thought, was jarring. Yeah. Tim Robbins, honestly, at first glance, I didn't know it was him. Right. But after a while, I started to realize who it was.
2: And the way that segment kind of – like because I remember it's kind of being – his segments are kind of a take on those games that used to be sold back in the 80s where you would play a part of a videotape and it was like a mystery or a haunted house. type thing. like I had one of those games. Yeah, I did too. So the thing was like – and the way they were using it was not even just straightforward. It was – it was really it was like a meta commentary it was very creative. Going on about yeah. that. So no, that was okay. But yeah, Saranen's was a little was
1: just and she honestly well, her shot was really a wheels into the frame, looking <laughs> at the camera. It's very clearly her, and you're like, right. what's what? going on with that? And then she's back out. So <laughs> um I I thought it was I thought it was great. Um I had just I had just a fun time with it. Um and I will I do have to give out a shout out to my MVP. I don't have his Mine's name.
2: Thomas Lennon. Okay,
1: well, Thomas Lennon, I think is great. Okay. But kind of an unknown from okay. the film that I thought was, every time he came on screen, he just made me laugh. And I don't know his name because the cast list of this film is so freaking long oh. and they don't have pictures for the actor. So I don't know oh. which one it is. Okay. I'll just tell you, it's the fellow who, who played the guy in most of the porno uh, segments. Oh. Okay, yeah, yeah, delivering yeah. the wood. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. He yeah, was yeah.
1: so good but as the dumb. Name, but I don't know who, he's know. the one that ex- that encounters the spaceship women. Yes. Uh, just
2: yeah, he, he played
1: good. that part so like well. Bad
2: acting, but yet yes. good comedic timing. That's right. Yeah.
1: yep, so good.
2: My favorite section that was the driving in the truck. Oh <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that was, it was amazing. It was
1: great. It was, it was so good. So I'm. I love it. This is exactly my kind of movie. Good. I did, after I watched it, I was curious. I went to go check out other reviews of other places and it's like, reviews are all over the place. Sure. I, I saw, I think, uh either Rolling Stone or Roger Ebert.com like gave it one star and just railed on it. But then, you know, it's got 80% rotten tomatoes. I mean, it's like, it's obviously very divisive. It's a very yeah. niche. film.
2: Yeah. You have to like kind of, you have to like comedy. And then within that, it's a very specific, Type of comedy that you have to like and yeah I, I liked it but I could see how it's totally not for everybody <laughs> so.
1: oh man see I'm already excited now to see it again so that'll be <laughs> unfortunately I can't I can't watch it with my younger kids but I will uh, watch totally it not. Well, I'll watch it on my own later tonight so maybe my wife yeah my wife will not enjoy this so yeah uh, I think it's just for me this is a this is an Allen film so
2: well no say like it's an American you mentioned Kentucky Fried Movie for me I wasn't familiar with that but um, I mean, I was familiar with it, but I hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. But to me, this was like an American version of Monty Python's, and now for something completely different. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or um, the other one, like well, it's like it's a framework it's a of a film, yeah. but it
1: really is a collection of skits that are just the tied loosely together. That the that yeah. that
2: was like an anthology. This same yeah. type way, where yeah, I really liked those as a kid. And am I putting this up there saying it's as good as those? Well, no, because I put those on a very high pedestal. But this is still pretty
1: good. I think so. it's hilarious. I think <laughs> okay. I really do. I think it was fun. Good. I had such a good was, time the, with I
2: it. remember kind of suggesting this as a while back as maybe a trailer tapas and we didn't do the trailer for it. And now I'm glad that we did I'm didn't. glad we didn't. So now you just got to I really see it hadn't seen of any
1: published. of it. I hit play on the once I rented it That's and awesome. it was fresh new for me at that point. So That's very, very great. cool. All right. Well, that is Vh yes, and that is available online as we speak. Actually, both films are available online. Yeah. Olympic Dreams is available as well, so you can actually download it, stream it uh, from your typical movie services right now. So that's going to be our two reviews. Let's go ahead and take a quick break, Chris. When we come back, we do have our news segments, and the first one being the This could be good, and you have to you have to raise up your voice and do the question mark at the end <laughs> when you introduce this segment where we talk about a potential new project that sounds exciting, a couple of uh, news, uh, film release schedule updates, and then we'll end up the show with our recommendations. So stay tuned. You're listening to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.tv. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit TheJacksonCreative.com.
2: Jackson Creative. We tell your story.
1: Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh TV. First half of the show, we did our reviews of Olympic Dreams and VH. Yes. Um, so now we're going to move on to some movie news segments, and we have some little package segments we like to jump into. This first one being one we call "I think this could be good," and raising up at the end because again, what we do is we explore a project that. Has some elements about it that sounds interesting, but could also, could there be some pitfalls? We don't know. Let's talk about one and see. Chris, what I think this could be good segment do you have to share with us today?
2: So we talked recently about Tom Haynes making a documentary of Velvet Underground. We were both mm-hmm. kind of excited about it. Sound like that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so director Peter Jackson, he of doing They Shall Not Grow Old, taking footage. Of uh, First World War, colorizing yep. it, assembling it, putting out a documentary. You know, kind of had mixed results for you and I.
1: It did. It did. It was a, a little bit of a letdown for me. Sure. I guess because it, it really, I love the concept of the film, but it... uh
2: Seems clumsy.
1: Well, and case. just after the first thirty minutes or forty-five minutes, once everything goes to the re, re, reconstructed footage, uh, I just feel like it didn't really have a whole lot to give after that. So, but yeah.
2: So news has come out that Mr. Jackson is making another documentary. This time, mm. assembling footage together that is previous Uh-oh. footage that has been out. Uh oh. Um, but. It is for the Beatles, specifically for their album, Let It Be. And they made a film, which I have never seen. Why? Because it's actually apparently really hard to get a hold of. They've never released it on DVD or Blu-ray. The film is
1: also called Let It Be, correct. correct?
2: It did come out on Laserdisc, which apparently you can go on like eBay and places and Amazon and see it for like hundreds of dollars. Wow. I would like to see it because I'm a huge Beatles fan. Well, now, apparently come to theaters this fall. Mr. Jackson has assembled something now, you know, is it a Beals documentary that just uses some of this footage? You, you, it's kind of unclear, but I, I have a lot more faith that, uh, this will be something that will be good. Not only sounds like it could be good, but that will. Be good.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, I'll give you, I had, I had read about, about this project. So I'm kind of feigning my surprise. I'm sorry. When, when you're bringing this up, but I, I was kind of familiar with this. Uh, uh, yes, I feel like it's going to be good. However, a couple of little red flags for me. Sure. Um, one, you know, uh, I wasn't terribly impressed with uh, his last documentary. So that's obviously a little bit of a concern to see you do this. Is it you, the quote I heard from uh, the head of Disney? Disney is the one yeah, distributing this.
2: Allowing it to happen. Right. And
1: I forget the name of the guy who was running Disney up until just recently. I think he just quit. But
2: uh, Bob Iger? Yeah,
1: Bob Iger. His quote was saying that it's a, uh, yeah, you know, basically saying this like it's uh, it's it's so much brighter and more cheerful than like the Let It Be film, which was kind of considered a little bit darker period for the Beatles. I mean, it was their last concert, their last album. It had a lot of footage from that well, rooftop concert they did, their and very that's last why performance.
2: It's, it's not readily available because supposedly after it was all cut together, the Beatles, the Beatles like it. Kind of didn't want to have they anything didn't think to do it with portrayed it. portrayed them in a favorable yeah. light, and so there you go.
1: All right. So, you know, I, I, as long as it's authentic, as long as it's real and not overly glossed over, that's the only thing I get worried about is, you know, just over glossing these rock documentaries or music documentaries. And I'm never a fan of that, but, um, I will say it, at least I know I, I did read Paul and Ringo both on board and even Yoko Ono Lennon and Olivia Harrison, both have kind of given their blessing. So, it's got the blessing of everybody. Sure. Everybody involved is on board with it. Um it, I
2: understand your hesitancy because that could mean that it is a very pandering film and yeah. it doesn't give you. But I mean, with people still, obviously, two of the founding members of the Beatles are still alive. Um, I don't know that you can get a true picture until, you know, years from yeah. now. Because, you know. Getting rights and all that kind of stuff is complicated. So like
1: Variety, variety Variety.com, Variety magazine, Mm -hmm. they actually had published that they had viewed a top secret trailer of Get Back Oh. earlier in the year a trailer hasn't come out to the public but they saw it So that's
2: going to be the name is get
1: back get the back title of one of the yep. songs. Okay. and they said that you know comparing it to the let it be film yes it's very tonally different this film is brighter visually and spiritually with many many shots of the beatles joking around hmm. making fun of each other singing in silly accents and all that which again Sounds like it would be fun to watch, but yeah, it was how just all from much? Like the
2: first day in the studio, as opposed yeah, to like the later.
1: Days. Well, and they also said there's footage going to be footage in the film from that legendary 42 minute rooftop concert, the very last concert they ever did, which I love that. Right. The whole style of everything I've ever seen of that concert. So, True. I, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful it's good. I'm hopeful it's a real documentary and not just a overproduced commercial for some new reissuing of the Beatles albums or something, you know, I want it to be real and want it to be really interesting and insightful. And I hope we get that. So it
2: would be nice. All right.
1: So I agree with you, Chris, I do think it could be good. So let's move on to our next segment, which is just some news. And this is, doesn't have any fancy title name to it here or anything, Chris, it's just, As I mentioned at the top of the show, we're recording this right in the midst of everything starting to kind of go a little crazy because of the uh, coronavirus outbreak and what we as a nation and the world are trying to do with kind of being a little more self separating from others and not going to large events, a lot of large events being canceled and postponed Mm -hmm. and so forth. Well, as we kind of expected, movie theaters are going to be taking a big blunt of this. I mean, movie theaters obviously are a place where people, generally in the larger quantities of people, getting together to experience something together in a closed room environment, absolutely not the environment you want to promote when you're trying to get people to stop the outbreak of a communicable virus. So as it stands right now, there's a lot of films that were scheduled to be released in the next couple months that are already getting pushed back. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me give you some notable ones. This is probably the most dramatic one, one that I think everybody kind of really took notice to when it happened. Universal Studios announced that their latest Fast and Furious movie, which I think is called Fast 9. Right. Because it's the ninth movie in the series. I just got that. I did not understand how they got the name Fast 9, but I totally get it now. Fast 9 uh, was supposed to be coming out in, I think, in just a few weeks. It's been moved back an entire year. Mm -hmm. It's going to April 2021. So obviously the studio said, we really want this film to come out in April. We feel like April is the best time for us to release it. And since we cannot do it this April without impacting box office, we're just going to bump it a whole year. Pretty crazy. It's a pretty Uh, big
2: measure, yeah.
1: Yeah, No Time to Die, the latest James Bond film, supposed to come out in April. It's now coming out in November. Um, Yeah, it was supposed to be released internationally April 2nd and in the U.S. on April 10th. Now it's been moved to November. Disney has postponed the theatrical release of Mulan. Mm -hmm. So that will now be pushed back. That was supposed to come out March 27th. Now it's... Uh, has not been rescheduled officially, but they have postponed it. It's just the word. And you know, you gotta think with all these They're ideas. Just
2: stick it on Disney Plus.
1: Well, I mean to try to get people to I do want us to talk about that a little bit. Sure. I think that may be where some of these studios have to end up going because you know, we all know from the the, the theater business right now is it's a little on the shaky side anyway. Unless you are a big tent pole franchise blockbuster, you're not they're just not making a lot of money from theatrical distribution anymore. Smaller films are not getting the screens that they need to get, to get noticed. So, you know, when you get all these films starting to get pushed back and pushed back and we don't know where this, this whole virus environment is going to lead us to where, if there's going to be a much longer prolonged period of not wanting to get groups of people together, very big. And if that's the case, what happens to the movie theater experience? Do these studios start saying, Well, heck, let's just release them online. We'll charge ten dollars to let people watch it on opening weekend and just go that route. And I mean, what if they're successful? Yeah. <laughs> you know, then it becomes a matter of, okay, is this the tipping point? Is this where things change for movie theaters? I don't know, right. but it's very interesting times. Um, and I thought a little <laughs> unfortunately negative karma.
2: Quiet Place Two had also been. Moved.
1: Yep, Quiet Place Two got moved. Several others have gotten moved, but uh yeah, I just brought up the movie The New New Mutants Yeah, as a film that is going to be released and now sounds like it's actually going to be pretty good. Well, it's been removed from their schedule like altogether. So, oh, so
2: now it's completely gone.
1: Well, I mean, it's just not been rescheduled.
2: Gotcha. It was
1: supposed to come out April 3rd. Okay. It's just been moved from the slate. Now, they could bring it back and reschedule it. We don't know. But uh, there's no telling what they're going to do. Another film um, called Antlers was also... Same idea from Fox. It was, uh, it was a sci-fi horror film produced by uh, Guillermo del Toro. Um, I think Bradley, no, not Bradley Cooper. He was involved in another film I'll mention later. But this film, Antlers, was supposed to come out uh, April 17th via Searchlight, and it's kind of just it's been gone. moved off as well. Now, the one film right now that is a big blockbuster movie that has not been moved, uh, May 1st, Black Widow. Still on the books as of right now.
2: Okay. So, Interesting.
1: Yeah. I think May 1st may just may be just far enough out to say, let's wait a few more weeks and see.
2: Enough.
1: Or okay. let's just wait and see. And we'll make a decision in April on what we do.
2: Because then if you think about it, if that is the case and they keep it there, there are going to be all these people pent up with like wanting to go see a movie. It's true. It's like, here's finally a new movie. And it would have been a big movie anyway because of Marvel, but it'll be like, they,
1: they're playing their cards close right now to yeah. see how far they can push it to without delaying the film right. to see if they can maximize that attention. Like you said, now uh, a couple things too about this. I mean, we've talked about, we're talking about films that are supposed to be released in the next couple months, but this virus is also affecting production of future projects as well. So most notably a couple of those, Disney again has announced that production and pre-production has halted on several projects kind of high-profile pictures. Um, the Last Duel, which we talked about in a previous episode, oh, yeah. that's the one Ridley Scott's directing a film with uh, Matt Damon, Adam Driver, and Ben Affleck. That has been halted production-wise, so we don't know what's going to happen there. They were supposed to be uh, released on December 25th this year. Don't know if that's going to happen now. Um, the Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which I mean, is the next Marvel movie after... after Black no the eternals is after black widow it'll so be i think it's supposed to be a 2021 release okay but that's been halted as well because the director is being tested for the virus yeah. he's in self-quarantine right now there you go um and then also there's a home alone reboot huh. that disney's doing
2: oh that's oh, sure. a shame i'm not sure i was aware
1: of that. Now, yeah well, now you are and it doesn't matter because it's on hold okay. um Peter Pan and Wendy, another take on the Peter Pan thing is going on. I think that's a live-action Disney version right. on hold. And the last one I'll mention, uh, another Del Toro film. This one he's actually writing and directing okay. called Nightmare Alley. Are you familiar with this?
2: I have heard of it, yes.
1: It's got Bradley Cooper starring in it. Okay. And um, so that one also has been completely just on hold. So it's not just a matter of films not coming out. The next couple months, it's that we may see a dearth of films for some period of time in the coming year that are not going to come out on time. Possibly, do you remember when there was like a writer's strike several years ago, and yes. there was this whole thing where there was like a period of several months where there just wasn't a lot of new stuff yes. on film and TV? Yes, I think we're going to experience a very similar kind of situation here. Just so, like a gap. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And I'd be remiss if I didn't also say that, unfortunately, this whole thing is affecting film festivals as well. So South by Southwest was canceled fairly early on in this whole hubbub that started up. Um, But Tribeca, I actually just read today, was announced as being canceled for this year. Uh, That was supposed to be going April 15th through the 26th. And our own local, more regional, River Run International Film Festival just got canceled today as well. So it's a shame because these are places where these films... We're gonna get an audience, and unfortunately they gotta look at some alternative ways, so really hate it for those filmmakers. I know how tough it is for independent films to get seen by people anyway, so hopefully they can find some alternative ways to get their their film noticed so agreed, yeah, so anyway, that is kind of in the news right now. I felt it would be remiss if we didn't at least acknowledge it since it has it is having it's having impact on a lot of the economy, but I okay. think the movie theater business is really going to get shaken up by this whole deal. Agreed. Be anxious to see where it goes. So, all right. I think we're done with news. Unless okay. you, we got anything else to share. I think yeah. we're caught up. Um, hopefully we'll have some much more positive news to share in the coming weeks of projects and maybe film schedules, getting back on track. So Chris, we always end our show here though, with our last segment of the episode. And that is our recommendations. This is where Chris and I both share a film each that is either one we just recently caught up with, had a chance to see, maybe didn't feel like it got quite the audience it needed, or maybe just needs a good revisit from the past. Uh, either way, it's a film that we feel like you'll be able to find online. So again, as you're doing your own self quarantining and kind of staying well solo or family. In your household, you may be looking at some film options. Here are a couple you may want to consider. So, Chris, what have you got for us today?
2: So, I'm going to recommend something that came out in October of 2019. It premiered on Netflix. And then I think with the start of the new season of Better Call Saul, they showed El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, actually on AMC. Um, I watched it, loved it, but forgotten about it until I was digging around to come up with a recommendation for the show. I was a big fan of Breaking Bad I actually did not watch it when it was originally run on AMC. I mm. caught up all with it on Netflix, like basically binge watched a lot of it. Yeah. I really liked it. When I had heard they were doing this, I was like, you know, I don't really know where they're going with this. What are they doing? And the way they do it is they basically pick up exactly after the last episode of breaking bad and kind of follow uh, Pinkman, Jesse Pinkman, Jesse Pinkman kind of on what was happening with his character at the end of the series and for me, it was very satisfying. I was impressed that they were able to, I mean, granted, I guess you could say it's just one really long episode because it's like two hours, mm-hmm. but um, it wasn't wasted. There was still a lot of creativity and jumping back and forth in time. And mm. I thought it was, I thought it was really well done. So if oh, you great, like Breaking Bad, and maybe you have Never seen it. Wow.
1: Never, okay. never well, seen an episode.
2: To appreciate this, you do need to watch the series. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So you don't recommend me just jumping into the movie, right?
2: I mean, if you never, if you, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see if you thought it was any good. Um, Mm. I think you would admire some of the cinematography and the acting and stuff, but you'll get more out of it.
1: It's a show I have on my list of shows to eventually try to watch at some point. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll watch it in the proper viewing sequence, but
2: yeah. Okay. Well then you'll have one more thing after you get through the series, which it was like five seasons or something ridiculous. You'll have one more. (laughs) (laughs) more thing to watch. So yeah, uh, El Camino, it's on Netflix. They may still be rerunning it every now and then on AMC. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, if you were a fan of Breaking Bad, I'd definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, no fear for me, at least, that they somehow ruined the series by putting this out. They should have just left good. it as it was. No, this was a worthwhile... It's a
1: worthwhile follow-up <laughs> movie worthwhile to follow it. Up, so, yeah. good.
2: So, El Camino.
1: El Camino, that is on Netflix. Yes. Great. All right. So, my recommendation... and. <sighs> I, I, I'm really bad I haven't kept up my list of recommendations from our past however many years we've been doing this. Seven years?
2: That's one of the things I use Letterboxd for.
1: I know, you oh, do. And I on. started. I have a Letterboxd list <laughs> that started and was maybe went for the first two or three years. And then I've kind of let it fall off the yes. wayside. side. So it may be on that list. But you know what? It's at least been many years since I brought it up. Okay? Fair enough. And there's a couple reasons why I revisited this film recently. Um, two reasons in particular. One, the lead actor in this film was in a film we saw not too long ago and we reviewed called Uncut Gems. Mm. Did, not, uh, did not win a nomination yeah. on, at the Academy Awards. Considered maybe a little bit of a controversy he did not or a little bit of a snub, you know, because he got a lot of acclaim. This is Adam Sandler we're talking sure. about for his dramatic role in that film. Right. The other reason I brought this film up is because the director, Paul Thomas Anderson, was actually name-checked in the Special Thanks uh, in Olympic Dreams, the first film that we reviewed at the top of the show. Not sure what role he played in Olympic Dreams or just if he was just friends with the crew and kind of supportive or what, but he got a Special Thanks call-out in that. So it made me start thinking, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson, Adam Sandler, hey, they worked together on a film called Punch Drunk Love. Now, I remember when I first saw Punch Drunk Love, I was a little taken aback, mainly, I think, in hindsight, because I didn't know what I was getting in for. <laughs> and the fact is, the film is so unique in that it's a romance, but it's also probably what I would call one of the most tense and anxiety-ridden films I've seen. Mm. It made me nervous, but it also was sweet. It had a really hot, like... Trigger Triggered uh, performance by Sandler where he's very meek and nice, and sweet, but then he'll just go off when he's triggered anger-wise. And it's just, man, it's a really chaotic but yet sweet film. And I think at the time I just didn't know how to process it. It is one who has gained in... A claim for me over time. Okay. And so I do want to recommend it. And any chance we have to see Philip Seymour Hoffman still have in a role, True. I think it's worth it. He does play <laughs> a, a very, salesman. a mattress salesman. Well, yeah, he's a mattress salesman. <laughs> um, but he also has a very menacing role and sure. he and Sandler have a interesting, uh, uh scene together. Um, uh, playing off each other. So uh, basically in a nutshell, uh, Adam Sandler plays Barry Egan, someone who really just is really down on himself in his life. He's got eight siblings, <laughs> the only male with eight siblings. Um, he has his own business, but he's not getting anywhere because of his insecurities. Um, he's tends to have violent outbursts that occur when he becomes frustrated, but he does meet uh, a woman played by Emily Watson. The character is Lena let Leonard and they do become attracted to one another, but yet he's still having difficulty kind of getting out of his shell. And um, anyway, it progresses from there. It's a it's an interesting film. But I did want to kind of segue into one thing, Chris, and I probably could have made this a news item. But, you know, it just fits right here in the recommendation. OK, I do like I do like Punch Drunk Love. I do like pretty much all Paul Thomas Anderson's films. The one film I got to admit, I need to go back and see again because it did not hit me as much as the rest of the film world is There Will Be Blood. Um, As much as I love The Master, as much as I love Phantom Thread, absolutely love Phantom Thread. I love Boogie Nights. I love Magnolia. Um, I'm a big fan of most of all his films. There Will Be Blood is the one I'm supposed to love. And I just wasn't there when I saw it the first time. So I need to go back and visit it. But what does have me excited, I looked on IMDb, Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, just curious, what's he working on now? So since he did Phantom Thread, yes. which you and I both loved, mm-hmm. um, he's done a lot of music videos for the band Haim, which is something he's done. Haim Haim, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Uh, he's done like four or five music videos about. for them. Yeah. Sure. And, of course, he did Radiohead work. Yep. And he did the short film with uh, um, Tom York. mm York. Mm-hmm. Forget the name of it. Anima. Anima. There you go. But he does have a feature film listed in production.
2: Is it with Daniel Day Lewis back out of retirement? Doesn't say. No. Doesn't
1: have any stars attached yet. Oh, okay. And get this. Here's the name of the pro- the, the name of the film. It's untitled Paul Thomas Anderson Project. Mm. Sounds awesome. <laughs> um, no, actually Just
2: he hasn't given up filmmaking. Right. That's all
1: we know. He it morning. does have a byline to it, so I at least know what the film's about. Okay. You ready for this? Set in 1970s San Fernando Valley, the film follows a high school student who is also a successful child actor. That's all I need to hear. I'm, I'm ready. Bring it on. Because if you had given me a, sh- a quick little byline like that for any of P.T. Anderson's films before they came out, they would have sounded just as generic as that one. But yet he's turned them into something interesting all the way around. So you know, I'm I have to
2: say, I think I was on board with all of his films except... Um, which I wonder if you've forgotten about
1: this. One. Inherent Vice. Inherent Vice. Yeah, that's another one I need to go back. That one didn't work for me when I saw it. No, it
2: didn't work for me. There are moments in it, but yeah. overall it didn't
1: Not work. a complete film. Yeah, in yeah, his whole filmography, um, Heart 8 was probably the film that kind of affected me the least. That was the very first film. Oh, I like that. Yeah, no, it was, it was good. It was a good film. It's just it's not one of my favorites of his. Gotcha. I love Boogie Nights. I love Magnolia. I love Punch Drunk Love. Okay. Um there will be blood. I need to go back and see again. I love the master, Inherent Vice. Yeah, I had some issues with, and then I love Phantom Thread. So he's yeah. batting eighty sure. percent for me he's, at this point. He's
2: doing pretty decent. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah.
1: And I guarantee, if I go back and see Inherent Vice and There Will Be Blood again, I may have better feelings I, yeah, on it may both have of been them. A
2: problem of expectations. Yeah, you know,
1: probably honest, so. Yeah. Okay, well, that was a long way around for my recommendation. But my recommendation is Punch Drunk Love by Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, uh, starring Adam Sandler. Okay. All right. So that's it for us. I think we're done. El Camino, Punch Drunk Love. We reviewed Olympic Dreams. We reviewed VHS. And we talked about uh, coronavirus delays in the film community. And we also talked about an interesting Peter Jackson Beatles documentary that will be coming out later in the year, it sounds like. Yeah, that Beatles documentary has a release of September, I believe. I believe
2: so, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: good. So with that, we are done. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up. But Chris, there's a lot of opinions we have floated around, and I'm sure people listening may have their own. How can they contact us?
2: So you can send us an email to info at themesh.tv and uh, just flag it in the subject line with Foot Candle Films, and we'll uh, read your question and get back to you on it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Foot Candle Film. I mentioned briefly that Alan and I both are on Letterboxd. Uh, some, I may use it just a tab more than Alan, but, but but I am on there trying to track films that we watch. I will mention that our Foot Candle Film Festival is September 23rd through the 27th. Um, if you are a filmmaker that didn't get to go to South by Southwest or River Run or some other film festival because it's been canceled, been canceled and you would like to have your work featured at a festival. We're hoping come September we'll be Corona free and we'll be able to have filmmakers here one way or the other. We'll have the film festival. Maybe it has to be online, but we're planning for it to be, um, you know, a typical film festival at that point. But anyways, if you're interested in trying to have your film viewed, uh, send us a note at info at the and we'll try to work with you. And, uh, at least let you submit it.
1: So. Well, sounds good. Well, again, we'd love to hear from you. So please, uh, Keep in contact with us. And, again, if a uh, festival comes up in the fall, we hope to see you joining us here in the uh, Catawba County area, uh, Western North Carolina. So with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, stay tuned for next episode coming up soon. Until then, uh, take care. We'll talk to you soon.
2: See you in the ticket line for safe distance, providing for uh, distancing.
1: <laughs> nice.
2: Watch